0: Good morning. Good morning. I'm not a huge fan of HGTV, but I've heard one of the popular shows in the past has been a show called Flip or Flop. And this couple goes in and they buy these houses that are just wretched. And, and I've watched some of the trailers, just the, the stuff that's left there to rot and the condition of their house. And this couple thinks. They can redeem the house. They can fix it up and then flip it for a profit. So where most of us would see, let's just condemn that thing. Let's just burn it. They think, no way. We think this has got value and we're going to put something into it and we're going to make it something that wasn't. That's just a little bit of a picture of what God does in our lives. Each of us in our own way. Uh, makes a mess of life and of our relationships and things go wrong and friendships are broken and families are conflicted and, and what does God do in that mess? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. So you have got a Bible, uh, open it to Genesis 29. We're going to go through Genesis 29 and half of Genesis 30, wrestling with this question, how does God respond to our messy relationships? Quick overview. Genesis, God created 1 to 11. Humanity pushed back, said, we'll make a name for ourselves. God said, I don't think so. And he, he picked out a couple named Abraham and Sarah, said, I'm going to need you to follow me and to start, we're going to send you to a land, a place you've never been. And I'm going to, if you'll follow me, I'm going to make you, um, your name great. I'm going to give you descendants that you wouldn't believe. Well, they didn't even have a son. For 24 years, they waited. God finally gave them a the son. His name was Isaac. Isaac married Rebecca. And they had two sons, Esau and Jacob, and we've been following Jacob. Jacob is a deceiver. He's a supplanter. Uh, and so Jacob is in the course of uh, finding a wife. And in this process, he's, he's taken advantage of his, um, his father's old age. He's taken something that belongs to his older brother. And, and Jacob will now reap the deception that he has sown. And so let's dive in as Jacob looks for a wife in, in verses 1 through 3, uh, he, he's traveling from what we know uh, as modern-day Israel back to southern Iraq, and he's going to a place called Haran, or Haran, and, and he gets there. And where I want to pick it up in verse 4. So he's there, and, and he's meeting the people, and he, he says this. Uh, Jacob said to them, my brothers, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. And he said, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said to them, is it well with them? And they said, it is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. He said, behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. He wants to get rid of them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. Well, as he's speaking in verse 9, Rachel shows up. And in verse 10, Jacob lays eyes on her. Here's what it says. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. Now, Now, when people get in... Dating relationships, I try and encourage them to go slowly. Okay? This is gonna go fast. So this is not a model for dating. You just met her, just met her and you kissed her. That's a little quick, but it's gonna get faster yet. Okay? So he says, Hey, I'm I'm Ken. I'm family. So now she's gonna go home and tell her father. So verse 13: so when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related to Laban all these things. Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. been in the house a month. Verse 15, then Laban said to Jacob, because you're my relative, nothing you therefore, uh, because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Hey, you've been serving, what, what, what do you want? Now Laban had two daughters, The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So they've been in the house a month, and they decide, we're going to get married. Now, before it happens, you're going to have to serve seven years. I I usually try and encourage short engagements. This is a long one. This is seven years. It's not a good idea. I want to stay away from the seven-year engagement, but that's what we've got here. Serve me seven years, and you can have my daughter, Rachel, in marriage because that's who he loves. So, verse 20, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. So, man, it was quick. I, it's seven years. I'm serving, but I am in love with that woman and I'm, she's going to be my wife. And so, and so seven years, it gets, it, gets capt, it gets captured in a verse. So, we're jumping ahead and he's done his seven years. He's done his time. Verse 21, Now Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed, that I might go into her. So, in verse 22, Laban, the father of Rachel throws a party, and this is, we'll, we'll try and keep this PG, but we're going to get a little bit of what goes on in the first evening. Now, this is the Bible, so it's, it's pretty sanitary, but here's what happened. It's a, it's a little bit of a surprise in verse 23. Now, in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Now, who, who did Jacob serve seven years for to marry? Rachel. And so daddy pulls the old switcheroo and gives him his daughter Leah. Uh, verse 24 mentions that, that Laban gives um, Leah a daughter, Zilpah. You'll want to keep that name in mind because we're want to come back and visit that one. And then in verse 25, it says this. So it came about in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Now, I got some questions here. You go in to be with the woman, and you think you're going to be with Rachel, and you end up with Leah, and you don't know that till the morning. I'm not quite sure how that happens. Um, But fortunately, we have somebody on our staff who does, Daniel Park, uh, so if you've got questions about that, you talk to Daniel after, and he'll, he'll explain that right to you. Because I'm not quite sure how that happened, but, but fortunately, Daniel's here, theological expert, to, to answer those questions. So you check with him after service. He'll, he'll, he'll set you straight on that. But Jacob thought, man, I served seven years for Rachel, and you gave me Leah. How come? Well, verse 26, Laban says, Is it not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn? Complete the week of this one, and we will give the other for the service which you shall serve me with for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave Bilhah, keep that name in mind, to his daughter Rachel, so, so have you followed what has gone on here? Jacob saw her and said, I am in love. I'm hooked on a feeling and high in believing. I will serve you seven years. Dad says, good. But the wedding night, he pulls the old switcheroo and um, gives him the older daughter when he really wanted the younger daughter. He's mad, understandably. Dad says, tell you what, spend a week with the one you really didn't want to marry. I'll give you my younger daughter, then you give me seven years. Those of you who who are married, how do you think that's going to work out? If you're Leah, and you're talking with friends, and they say, how how did you happen to meet your husband? Oh, my husband really wanted to marry my younger sister, but my dad was concerned he couldn't get rid of me, so so he put me in there. You know, my, My husband got tricked into marrying me. How's that fly? How's that go? How's that marriage going to work out? Some of you say, Andy, man, you don't understand. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm from a really, really dysfunctional family. You ain't got nothing on this. (laughs) What can we say about Laban? Who would do that to his daughter? Stick her in her marriage with a guy who doesn't want her? Self-absorbed? Greedy? I can get another seven years out of this? Well, so that's what we got. Uh, Verse 30, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and he indeed loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. So that's what you got. Two wives. One he really doesn't care for, one he loves, and their sisters. Hey, sisters, you got to learn to share. Verse 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Wrong. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore also given me This son also. So she named him Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, this time my husband will become attached to me because I born him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi. She conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord because therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. So Leah's given, had four sons with with Jacob. Rachel's had none. And Rachel's seeing this going on. Verse 30, no, or chapter 30, verse 1. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Well, this ain't Jacob's fault. Jacob is shown He can procreate a child. So he not, not, doesn't have the issue. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? She says, here's my maid Bilhah. Remember I told you we'd hear from Bilhah again? Here's my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, and through her I too may have children. So I can't have children. I'm going to give you my servant, and since I own my servant, those will really be my children. We have seen this idea, hey, I I can't have a child. I'll use a servant. One other place, way back in the day with Abraham and Sarah, and she couldn't have us child, and she finally gave up and said, hey, I've got the servant, Hagar, and that was Ishmael. That didn't work out too well, but Jacob's not learning from the mistakes of his forefathers, so he goes into Rachel's servant, Bilhah, in order to have children. So here we go, verse 4, so she gave him her made Bilhah's wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me, has indeed heard my voice, and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. And she's named him Naphtali. So Leah sees this going on. All right, Rachel can't have children, but she's given him her maidservant. Remember, Leah conceived four children with... Uh, Jacob, but, but she thinks she's done, and she's a little bothered by that, so she's going to bring her servant into play. So at this point, Jacob's got three partners and six sons. Jacob's a busy dude. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot to deal with, and, and he's, he's going to get just a bit busier here. So when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's maid Zilpah... Bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate she named him Gad. Leah's made Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. And she named him Asher. Are you with me? Four partners. Okay. Now, another twist here. Now, in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went out and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Now, they must have thought mandrakes brought fertility because Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Remember, Rachel's the only one here of the four partners with whom Jacob hasn't conceived a child. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So they're going to make a trade. So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight, in return for your son's mandrakes." So are you following? Jacob's quit having relations with Leah. And Rachel says, tell you what, I'll give you a night if you give me some mandrakes. That's very dysfunctional. That's really weird. But this is the first family of Israel. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me. Here he is, you're under contract, you're under obligation. Isn't that romantic? For I have surely hired you with my son's mandrake. So he lay with her that night. God gave he to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my mind to my husband, my maid to my husband, she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So he gave him Zebulun. She named him Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. So there's three women who have borne children. With we'll Jacob. Leah, Zilpah, and Bilhah. Only one. The one Jacob truly loves is barren. Her name is Rachel. Will anything come of this? Will Rachel be barren forever? Verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and she gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph. We'll know from Joseph again. May the Lord give me another son. And later she would born. Second son, but that'll be down the road. Did you get all that? Wants to love this woman, gets tricked into loving that one. She has children, she can't, so she gives her servant. She sees and gets jealous, so she gives her servant. They have this thing, they bring fertility, so he can seize more children with her, and finally he has children with the wife he truly loves. People, that's a mess. That's a disaster. I, you know, again, I don't know your family, and I don't know the dysfunction. I mean, I could tell you a little bit about the dysfunction of my biological family. But I doubt it's as bad as this. You know what God did with his family? You know what he did? He started the nation of Israel. That's what they have born of. This this. this, this country through whom God made his name for thousands of years and will one day show himself great again. It it all started right here. He redeemed the mess. And let's talk about Leah for just a minute, an unloved woman having to trade for her husband's affection, losing out. She had a bunch of sons, but let me point out two of them. One of them was named Levi. And Levi is the line of the priest who served God diligently offering sacrifices for thousands of years. That came through unloved Leah's line. But that's not the big one. The other son, his name was Judah. Through Judah came King David. And if you trace that line farther down, you know who comes through that line? Jesus does. The reason we're here today, the reason we gather, Jesus. He came through that line. God redeemed the hurt and the mess for his purposes. You got a messy family? You got a messy background? Man, join the club. Join the club. But it is not beyond God. You've messed things up. You've made bad decisions. You've joined the club. You know what the crucifixion was about? About relationship gone bad. People had hopes and expectations of Jesus. He's going to deliver Israel. And, and, and the week before Sunday, before, man, they, they, they cheered him. Coming in, and, and they laid down branches. This is what we call Palm Sunday, Hosanna. They were looking for him to be the deliverer. By Thursday, they figured out he ain't delivering us. And they turned on him and they demanded his crucifixion. And when they had the chance, hey, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you choice. I'm going to release one criminal like release the, the guy who was seditious and caused murder and, and, and execute Jesus. And they spit on him and beat him. And the religious leaders who we, we would think, the Jewish leaders who we would think Jesus would be working together with to turn to, to turn back people back to God, they got very jealous. They are very threatened by Jesus. And man, they needed to put him away. And one guy even said, this guy needs to die for the sake of the nation of Israel. He didn't realize how prophetic he was, but he was thinking he needs to die because our, our, our thing needs to keep going. So they had him whipped and they put him on a cross. And the Roman... Guy Pilate, he, he realized Jesus was innocent, but man, he couldn't have the folks in Rome seeing the, an insurrection in his place. So, so against his, you know, his insecurity, he, he put the final stamp. That, that, that was relationship gone bad. That was dysfunction. Do you know what God brought out of that mess? Your salvation and mine. I don't know what you've been, where you've come from, what's going on. But I believe with all my heart, God can redeem our dysfunction, our mess. So we're asking this question of the text. does God? How does God respond to our messy relationships? And I purposely walked this through. Many of you know the story, but I want us to think about, again, the mess of this story. And here's what he did. God redeems our messy relationships for his purposes. God redeems our messy relationships for purposes. His purposes. Now, you, you don't have to answer me, but what's going on in your family? What's going on in your job? What's going on with your friends? What's going on at work? What's going on in the neighborhood? And sometimes it, it is, you work to reconcile that thing and it just, it seems beyond you. And, and, and keep working, keep practicing those biblical things. But, but know this, above it all, God is redeeming the mess of humanity for his purposes. He's bringing life back out of it. That's the hope of Jacob. That's the hope we have in this account. Uh, This past week, my wife and my younger son were in Alabama. So my older son and I... um, got on Amazon, and we streamed the show Chernobyl. It's a five-episode series, and if you don't know the story, in 1986, there was a nuclear disaster in Chernobyl, and it was covered up, and lots of people died, and it was a mess. But what was interesting to me, um, watching that, it got my interest. So I I got back on, and uh, some guy somehow got permission to go back to Pripyat, which is just 30 kilometers south of, of Chernobyl, and it was a city built to serve the reactor for the people, and, and uh, 30 years after the fact, and, and when the people left, they were told, hey, you're just leaving for a week or two, just load out, and you'll be coming back, and he, he walked back through there with a camera, and, and it was like all the living stuff was there, except there weren't any people, because <laughs> no one was going back, and... and uh, You know, he had a little Geiger counter there, and he would walk around, and 30-plus years later, it's still reading, it's still showing, and he said, you know, went in the theater where they used to do productions, went in people's homes, and nature's just starting to take over. And from a human perspective, the land is abandoned, and it can't be salvaged. And I thought, what a picture of humanity without God. We make mistakes, and we react, and we blow up, and stuff gets spewed, and, 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 and stuff, relationships, they, they become uninhabitable. And From a human perspective, they're gone. This, this land is gone. But God says, no, 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 I'm bigger than that. I want to reclaim that. I want to redeem the mess of humanity for my purposes. And aren't you glad when God's people started, they weren't perfect? Because it would exclude me and you. <laughs> But the Bible's real. And it's telling real stories of real people. And it's really messed up. And the hope there is that God redeems the mess. That's why we sing songs like Rescuer. Because we believe that. That's our hope. in our messy relationships. That God redeems those for His purposes. Let me pray. And I'll invite the worship team back up to close us. So Lord, we are grateful that you redeem the mess that we make in relating to one another. And we poison things, and it's barren, and it's hopeless. And yet, you step in and say, no, it's not. I I can make something. I can grow something out of that. Thank you that you are that God. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.